to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, that the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your neck and pendants for your neck. We were out of town this morning, so if this was already emphasized, I won't apologize because I believe it is important to maybe reemphasize it. Uh, we've already talked about what's going to take place next Sunday evening after the evening assembly, but before the evening assembly next week, I would encourage you to carve out about 45 minutes of your time that I, for what I believe will be a very worthwhile time period for you to come and to support our young people in their Lads to Leaders practice session before uh, they go to Lads to Leaders next month uh, in, in April. What basically they're going to be doing is just dividing into the girls' classroom or in the boys' classroom and practicing their, uh, their song leading and their scripture reading and things of, of that nature. And if you recall, a couple years ago, we weren't able to go to the convention because of COVID, and we had our own little convention here, and most of the congregation came and, and supported them for that, and I thought that that was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Not as many people maybe make it out for the practice session, uh, but I would really encourage you to come to that next week. I believe it's at 4 o'clock, uh, just before worship, and uh, double-check the time on that if, if you, you would have seen a, a news flash this last week, but be here next week for that. Perhaps you have seen uh, in film, movies, TV shows, in the film industry, in Hollywood, what seems to be a caricature displayed of men in which oftentimes the man of the household or the father or the husband is displayed as one who seems to be a buffoon, seems to be one who's lazy, seems to be one who does not, uh, is not worth his salt, doesn't care. Uh, maybe is sometimes called a deadbeat. And as you think about how often the, the news media or just uh, film, the film industry in general di displays and portrays men in this, in this way, maybe our mind sometimes goes to blaming the film industry be, uh, for, for doing this because simply, well, they have a, an agenda uh, behind all of this. And what they're trying to do is, is really undermine the, the family and undermine the man, undermine the father, undermine the husband. And while that may be true, and I think there is definitely some truth to that, there's also maybe an additional element to this that we need to consider, and that is this. It may be the case that sometimes men are displayed that way because sometimes that's really the truth. Not all men, certainly. I know many, many good men in this room. But it, is, it has been the case historically over the course of the last many several decades, really over all of time, if you want to put it that way, that men can sometimes be found to be individuals that are lazy or have their own things that they want to do and they, they give credence to the, the things that are on, on their priority list, the first things that come to mind that they want to do as opposed to the things they really need to be doing. 
Now, it's not to say that, that women have it all together in every situation either, but sometimes you think and, and see oftentimes in many households, mothers and wives picking up the slack where, where men ought to be doing uh, what they should be doing and they're not doing that. And so this evening, I want us to glean some principles, some truths from the book of Proverbs, in which as you think about the book of Proverbs, how often throughout this great book, there is this contrast that is displayed between a wise man and a foolish man. We have some dear friends that sometimes tell their children that they are being foolish. And sometimes we recoil at that idea, stop being like a fool. If we were to say that to a a child and we think, don't don't tell a kid that he's being a fool, but you think about it, it's it's really a biblical term. When we think about being foolish, it's in contrast to the idea of being wise, being someone of understanding, being someone who is righteous. And I have a few different areas this evening that I want us to consider with regards to men and in conjunction with what we've been talking about with regards to these caricatures that are displayed by the film industry in many different areas, that maybe are some things that all of us as men should work on and hopefully develop and grow in, in these areas. Number one, I want us to consider that a wise man will be prudent with money. A wise man will be prudent with money. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Proverbs this evening. We're going to be turning to a lot of verses because it is all going to be taken from Proverbs. Instead of quoting these things and, and always uh, just going, running through them really fast, let's, let's stop and read them together. A wise man will be prudent with money. And when we think about the idea of being prudent with money, it's often the case, I believe, that maybe men think that the women are the big spenders, Right? Well, they're the ones that are always waving the credit card at, you know, this handbag or those shoes or, you know, we can't get her spending under control. But when you really stop to think about it, oftentimes it's the men's purchases that are the big ticket items. The boys' toys are a lot more expensive oftentimes than the females' accessories. And so as you think about the importance and the necessity of being prudent with money, the lifted trucks and the gaming computers and the fishing equipment... There are many things that sometimes we need to be much more prudent with with our money as men. And so we need to remind ourselves, like Proverbs does, number one, that the borrower is servant to the lender. Look at chapter 22 and verse number seven. The borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So many times in this culture, in this society in which we live, we want what we want and we want it now and we're going to do whatever we can to get it. And so I'm just going to go ahead and take out a loan. I'm not saying, and the Bible's not saying, that in every case that it's sinful or wrong, but we need to consider and realize what we are submitting ourselves to and becoming a servant to the one who is lending us that money. We're ultimately starting to work for someone else. Again, not only are we maybe working for our employer, but we are now also working for the one in whom we have uh, owe, owe money to. And so we need to be careful and remind ourselves of this biblical principle that the borrower is servant to the lender. And also, as you turn back a few pages to chapter 6 and verse number 1, and really reading several uh, verses through this context, really just beginning of verse number 1, in chapter 17, we won't turn there as well, but you can write that down as a reference. Look at chapter 6 and verse number 1, that co-signing loans can be dangerous. The Proverbs speaks of the, dangerous, the, the, the danger of co-signing loans and how we need to be prudent with our money even in this regard. My son, if you become surety for your friend, or the idea is co-signing a loan, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, 
You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself and plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Recognize the danger that is inherent in co-signing a loan for someone else. Also consider that riches can cause one to be wise in their own eyes. Look at chapter 28, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 11. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. Other translations render that last section as the poor sees right through him, sees right through him. In other words, because sometimes when we have riches, we are led to believe that we are so crafty and able to work over people and and maybe pull the wool over their eyes. But even the fool or even the the poor man, I should say, verse number 11 says, even the poor man has understanding, is able to see right through him. So we need to realize that sometimes when we have riches that we become, we begin to become prideful. We can be, not always. Again, these are not always uh, speaking in very precise terms in the sense that it's always the case that this is is the matter. But nevertheless, we need to be recognizing that the rich man can become wise in his own eyes. There is wickedness and also accepting bribes. Look at chapter 17. Chapter 17, we see so much in the political world, there's no denying this, that bribes or this for that type of exchanges take place in order to push certain agendas along. And as you think about how men sometimes are so drawn to this type of, uh, of allurement, think about Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 23. A wicked man, the opposite of a wise man, accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. And so we need to recognize that a wise man will be prudent with money. Secondly, consider this evening that a wise man will control his temper. A wise man will control his temper. Perhaps one of the ways that a man is often displayed in a caricature uh, in film media is that they fly off the handle or maybe they are abusive. And certainly these things are wrong. But as you think about these caricatures, we need to absolutely recognize that we need to correct those things even from the message that film media is giving us, but especially from what scripture is telling us. Consider first what Proverbs reminds us of, that a wise man has control over the things that he says. Look at chapter 15 and verse number 23. Chapter 15 and verse number 23 says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season how good it is. A word spoken in due season. Turn over a couple pages to chapter 17, verses 27 and 28. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Perhaps you've heard the uh, other way of saying this. I remember my coach saying this in football growing up. It's better to remain a fool, uh, better remain silent and thought a fool than to speak up and to remove all doubt, right? The idea is sometimes we as men like to crack a joke or we like to be the know-it-all or we like to say the first thing that comes to mind and we are ultimately revealing our ignorance 
But as you think about our temper, this temper as we think about it's not just a matter of flying off the handle, but having an even keel, a temperament that says, I'm perceptive, I'm wise, I, I think about what I'm saying. And so he has control over the things that he says to the point that he spares his words and doesn't just say everything that comes to his mind. Turn the page or on my Bible on the same page, look at chapter 18, verse number six. A fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for blows. It's kind of a, an ironic way of saying this because your lips ultimately end up catching a lot of those blows, right? And it's your body that was going into that action, your body that was going into that fight, but it was the lips that got you there more often than not. And as we think about a wise man controlling his temper, being even keeled, being someone who is perceptive and wise, he is able to control the things that he says. He's able to recognize that his lips can get him into trouble. Turn a few more pages to chapter 29 and look at verse number 20. Chapter 29 and verse number 20, towards the end of the book of Proverbs. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So we've been making this contrast already between a fool and a wise man. Here we see there is more hope for a fool than for a man who is hasty in his words. But it's not only in the way that we say things in our temper and how we react with our words, but also how we react maybe even physically or in just our actions when we are hard pressed. Not just a matter of, of the words that we use, but also the way that we use our body. Sometimes we might be found to get angry and throw things. Maybe you've seen someone who has a broken hand. Where did that broken hand come from? If it's a man, it may have been in a fight with someone else or it could have come from the fact that they punched a wall because they could not control their anger. And I've been there before. I've become frustrated to the point where you just really just, it, it boils up and wells up inside you and you just want to shake whatever it is that's there. And as we work on these things, we need to recognize that the Proverbs writer is saying in chapter 14, verse 17, that a quick-tempered man acts foolishly and a man of wicked intentions is hatred. You've seen some of these videos, have you not, of football fans sitting in their living rooms and their team loses the game on a last-second field goal and they throw the plate at the big-screen TV that costs them thousands of dollars. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. Look at verse number 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding. Men, we need to get a control, get a handle on our temper to make sure that we don't allow our God-given, our God-given strength that we're going to talk about on the next slide to get the best of us and cause us to end up doing things that we're going to regret. A wise man will control his temper. So a wise man will not only control his temper, a wise man will also be prudent with money, but a wise man, number three, will avoid pride and machoism, ego, sticking the chest out, being the cool guy. Proverbs reminds us that a wise man listens to others. Look at chapter 12, verse number 15. 
A wise man listens to others. The pride in ourselves oftentimes causes us men, right? What's the caricature? I'm not going to ask for directions, but honey, just pull in there and ask them. I can figure it out on my own. I don't need the instructions, right? That's the caricature that's often displayed of men because so often it's true. Proverbs reminds us that a wise man listens to others. Look at chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Turn a few chapters over to chapter 21, verse number 24. A proud and haughty man Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. And a few more pages to chapter 29, verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. There is much to be reminded of from these verses about the importance of pushing our ego down as men thwarting that pride, that arrogant attitude away from our lives to make sure and out of our lives to make sure that we are wise men who avoid pride and machoism, that we listen to others. Other places in scripture tell us that there is wisdom in many counselors, that we ought to ask other people and find out from other people what are some good suggestions, what are some good, if you're an older man, If you're a younger man, talking and listening to older men and finding out from them where they have been in their lives and what they have learned and recognize that they have wisdom to impart upon and to you. There's wisdom in in doing that. He listens to others. He honors and reveres God's creation. Now, this one is interesting. As you think about pride and machoism, maybe one of the first things that comes to your mind, if you're not a hunter is what the world displays of pride and machoism with regard to shooting animals is maybe trophy hunting and killing things just for the sake and only for the sake of taking a picture next to it and saying, look how dominant I am over this creature. Now, you've gotta be careful in understanding and, and be fair with that judgment that, that recognize that that person that shot that animal could be, as we'll talk about at the end of chapter 12, eating that animal as God has given those animals into our hands, but recognizing there is sometimes even a blood lust among men, a very real blood lust among men that as you're younger, if you grew up in the country, maybe you just went out and shot things just because you wanted to shoot things. And there's something I believe that's not really wise, not really even honoring God's creation in that. Look at chapter 12 and see what the Proverbs writer says about how a wise man honors his beast. Chapter 12, verse number 10. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. It's not just the hunting world, but also, as you think about, I watched the 30 for 30 documentary not too long ago about Michael Vick and how he had the dog fighting ring. Remember Michael Vick, the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons who went to Virginia Tech, who's a big name. He, he was on top of the world and he came crashing down because he was in the middle of all of this dog fighting uh, ring situation. And what you realize is that as an individual, he was looking around at his other friends who he grew up around, the men that he was around in his life. And I remember very clearly in that, in that documentary, them saying, well, we all, nobody saw anything wrong with it. Everybody, it was always right. 
in where we grew up, everybody did this and it was just normal. And it had become, unfortunately, a, a convenient thing and something that was normalized among these people to the point that they were not honoring and revering God's creation. Instead, notice chapter 12, verse 27. As we go back to hunting, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. So a wise man will avoid pride and machoism by listening to others, by honoring and revering God's creation, and not misusing his God-given strength. Turn to chapter 20 and verse number 29. As we're turning there, I want us to think about this. Because of the caricatures that have been displayed of men in, in film, the film industry, I believe that it has kind of paved the way to what we kind of see in our culture today, which is this idea of toxic masculinity. The idea that mostly, in general, uh, anything that has to do with masculinity is toxic. The idea is that anything that, that supports or pushes the concept of being masculine is in some way negative. And it often comes from the idea that because people say boys will be boys or uh, just let boys do what boys do and that kind of thing that ultimately we're, we're allowing these types of, of attitudes to conti- continue to persist. But notice that strength is something that God has given to men. The glory of young men, chapter 20, verse 29, is their strength and the splendor of old men is their gray head. What matters, though, is how we utilize that strength and how we channel that strength and we make sure that we use it for the glory of God instead of using that strength to dominate and be or domineering over our wives or over our children or or over any other number of individuals that we might have influence over. We need to recognize that this strength has been given to us by God and we ought to use it for his glory and not for negative things. A wise man will avoid pride and machoism by listening to others, by honoring and revering God's creation and not misusing our God-given strength. We talked about this last week, and so I won't belabor the point too much, but I believe there is much to be seen from Proverbs about the fact that a wise man will stop being lazy. We talked a lot about this last week, as we said about apathy and laziness from the book of Haggai, but consider these very quickly. Proverbs reminds us that he does not make excuses. Chapter 20, verse number four, talks about the fact that a lazy man will not plow in winter because of the cold. Chapter 22, verse 13, and chapter 26, verse 13, talk about a man who says, there is a lion in the streets. I will not go out of my house. In other words, he makes up this outlandish excuse And so a lazy man will be one who is full of excuses. A wise man does not make excuses. A wise man does what he needs to do, does what is his responsibility. If we're going to be called wise men, we will not make excuses. He knows that laziness leads to hunger and poverty and a difficult life. We could look at a number of those verses, one of which was already just referenced a moment ago with regard to chapter 20, verse 4, and a, a man who makes an excuse about not going out to plow during winter because of the cold. But now look at chapter 28 and verse number 19. We skipped a few there, I know, but let's look at chapter 28 and verse 19. If you don't plow, you're not going to harvest in the, win- in, in the autumn or the, the harvesting season. But look at chapter 28, verse 19. Not only does laziness lead to hunger, but it also leads 
to poverty. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. And then chapter 10 and verse number four of the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse number four. Notice that the Proverbs writer, again, talking about laziness says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Chapter 13, a few pages over, chapter 13 and verse number four. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be rich. And then chapter 15, finally, chapter 15 and verse number nine, the way of the wicked is an abomination of the Lord, but he loves him who follow, chapter 15, verse number 19, sorry. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. A life that is full of laziness is a life that is full of difficulty. A wise man will stop being lazy because he knows that laziness leads to hunger, poverty, and a difficult life. He also knows that laziness causes one to ignore wise counsel, which we already started talking about a little bit a while ago, that a wise man listens to others. But then finally, he knows that even the ant needs no overseer. Even the ant, one of the smallest of God's creations, does not even need an overseer to make sure that he does the work that God has called him to do, has created him to do. As men, if we are going to be called wise men, we need to stand up, do what God has called us to do, not, need people, not needing our boss to look over our shoulders, not needing our boss to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but instead doing what we're supposed to be doing because that's who God has created us to be. A man who is willing to and is always going to uphold his responsibilities. Finally this evening, a wise man will take care of his family. A wise man will take care of his family. We'll put them all up on the screen here. I want you to see it this way. A wise man is concerned about previous generations. A wise man is considered, uh, concerned about current generations. And a wise man is concerned about future generations. Here's what we mean. Turn to chapter 19. A wise man is concerned about previous generations. As we understand that the New Testament teaches us that we are to, as children, honor our parents, honor our father and mother. Look at chapter 19 and verse number 26. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Look at chapter 20 and verse number 20. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. And then a few more pages to chapter 28 and verse number 24. Hear what the Proverbs writer says. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says it is no transgression, the same is companion to a destroyer. There is very much to be said about a wise man and his wisdom in making sure that his parents, number one, are not robbed by him, thinking about even the prodigal son demanding his inheritance before it was time. But even beyond that, when our parents are in need as they get older, that we make sure that we are tending to their needs and helping them as we have opportunity to make sure that we are honoring them. There's many other ways that we can honor them, but that's one that comes to mind. But secondly, we also need to be concerned about current generations. Now this one we're going to tread very carefully 
But hear me in humility as we read chapter 13 and verse number 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. We talked a little bit about toxic masculinity and how this cultural mindset is almost like a pendulum swing away from masculinity in general to say, we don't like the things we've seen in masculinity and so therefore all things masculine are negative or toxic. Sometimes we also see this with regard to parenting. Parenting perhaps is one of the hardest things that you will ever do. Not a single parent will ever be perfect. As John has mentioned before and has humbled me, has reminded me that every one of us as a parent will raise a child who will one day become a sinner. So not a single one of us is perfect. But just as there has been a pendulum swing with regard to toxic masculinity and all things masculine being toxic, there's also what seems to be a pendulum swing away from discipline in our society and even within the church sometimes that says we are going to avoid perhaps even telling our children no, that we're going to avoid even some sort of discipline that, re- that involves spanking. Hear what the Bible says again in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. We don't have it on the screen, but turn over to chapter 23 as well. Chapter 23 These are the words of scripture. These are not my words. Chapter 23, verse number 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Now, we recoil at that word beat because so often in our society, we understand that that word beat is associated with beating a child beyond what is called to be reliable and good biblical wisdom. That word could also be translated simply strike, and it is often translated strike in other places. And so if you just read it, for if you strike him with a rod, if you give him some sort of spanking, he won't die, it's not going to kill him, but you will deliver his soul from hell. Now, we have talked about in previous slides some very important things that with our God-given strength, that we are to honor God with that, that we are not to allow it to get the best of us and cause us to fly off the handle, that we are to be able to use God-given strength to have it under control, to discipline our children in a way to make sure that it is done in a God-honoring way. But we are wise men when we discipline our children, when we are concerned about our current generation Finally, we also are wise men when we are concerned about future generations. Go back to chapter 13, two verses prior to the one we just read in chapter 13. And notice what a wise man is said to do. Chapter 13, verse number 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. We've already talked about the fact that as men, wise men, godly men, righteous men, that we are to be prudent with our money. And this is something to be said in in conjunction with this as well, that we are to leave an inheritance for our children to perhaps keep them afloat 
Now, it's not to necessarily be said that if we fall upon hard times and we aren't able to leave our children everything we desire to leave them, that we are in some way sinful. But a wise man is concerned about future generations. But I would also add to this, it's not just in a financial way, but it's also in a spiritual way. That we are to recognize that the, the work, the, the, the soil that we're tilling now with our own children is going to end up leading to for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, perhaps even more heartache if we don't do the things right now that God has called us to do. There's a lot to be learned from the book of Proverbs. A wise man will be prudent with his money. He will control his temper. He will be an individual that is able to be concerned about gener- the, the generations that are to come, that are, are the generations of the past, the generations of the present. So many areas that a wise man, a wise man should be working on, be developing in. And I am one, for one, am one that should be working on these things and growing in them as all of us should be. This evening, if you feel like this is a way that you need help, it may be that you walk down the aisle and you demonstrate that and communicate that to us immediately so that we can connect you with someone who can help you. Probably not going to be me. I'm just communicating to you words of scripture, but it may be someone that's older, someone that is aged. As we talked about, the glory of a young man is his strength, but the glory of an older man is his gray hair. It's because there's wisdom there. Seek out some older men in the congregation here and and ask them to, to mentor you, to develop you, to help you to grow, to become a wise man as they are. And ultimately that all of us will become a wise individual like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as wise as he was. If there's anything that we can do for you tonight, if you're not a New Testament Christian and you want to have your sins washed away in baptism, if you're a Christian already and you want to have uh, the prayers of the church for whatever reason, if there's anything that we can do, we ask that you come as together we stand and as we sing.